And you are very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast, episode three of our new season, as we look ahead to what's coming up in the URC this week. Three big games, Ulster against Leinster tomorrow evening, that is at Kingspan Stadium, Bulls against Connacht also on Friday evening, and we've got Munster still looking for their first win of the season. They're taking on uh, a rejuvenated looking zebra actually on a Saturday evening down in Cork. Delighted to be to say as well, joined by a new guest on the RT Rugby Podcast, Mick Carney, ex of Ulster, Leinster and Connacht is with us. Mick, thanks a million for joining us. Oh, thanks a million for having me. Really looking forward to it. And Fiona Hayes, a, a regular uh, a regular on the, the RT Rugby Podcast is with us. And congratulations are in order as well, Fiona. Uh, there was oh. some good news for you yesterday. I know Neil Briggs is stealing the headlines by being the head coach <laughs> always, the always. of the Interprovincial <laughs> Series. But you're part of the part of the team in Massive Honour, I imagine. Yeah, delighted. I'm going to be looking at the the breakdown and contact skills kind of coaching. So um that's an area I'm I'm obsessed with, Neil, as you know. So I, I'm delighted to be on board this year. I, I was with the 18s for a few years, so I've taken a step up now. So really excited. And Fiona as well, obviously juggling with Ballancolic as well and women's AIL. And Mick, you're giving it one one more go in the the All Ireland League. You were you were part of a pretty formidable Clontarf team that won the title last season, and you're going to go again this season. You're you're up a up first this weekend. You're not around for you were saying you're you're away unfortunately, but you are giving it at least one more season in the in the Red and Navy. Yeah, hundred percent, one and done. Um, I have two really close friends in Clontarf, uh, like Matt Darcy, who's captain. And Tony Ryan and, and other guys who are who are doing one more season. So uh, I was I was very easily coaxed into into going again. And and as well, you know, I, I don't think I would have been able to go completely cold turkey from a uh, from a rugby point of view in terms of you know I, I obviously retired professionally um, at the end of at the end of last season. So it's a it's a good way to kind of I suppose ease myself out of the changing room as much as anything. You're saying that you're saying that now, Mick. But uh, you know, when you get to that end of the season and they're chanting on the bus, "One more year, one more year," it's it's very hard to give in. I I presume you done it this year, but they're going to be at it again at the end of this season. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think I think you're spot on, Fiona. It's just uh, it'll be walking down the steps to get off that bus that'll that'll remind me that I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. ready to finish. True. <laughs> and before we get into everything, like, how have you found the? I suppose the, the very early stages of, of not being a professional rugby player, a little bit more time in July and August to yourself, I imagine. No, big time, big time. I I didn't have a huge amount of envy seeing the guys go back for preseason now, if I'm being totally honest. Um, myself and Emma, my girlfriend, we welcomed uh, baby Jack in on the 4th of July. So he's just completely, he's completely taken Your our hands are full uh, in a very, very different way. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But uh, he's he's been great. You know, I I haven't had I haven't had a spare minute to even think about uh, retirement or, or finishing up rugby. So uh, yeah, blessed blessed that he's arrived now. And training is a nice little escape for a couple of hours a, a few times a week. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday evenings are, I suppose, my my happy times from a solitude point of view. You're the you're the first man down training, and you're the last man to leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting out the cones. <laughs> Listen, we'll get right into it because we've a lot to get through, and even before we get to the matches themselves, obviously, Fiona, like the big news of the week was Stuart Lancaster is going to be leaving Leinster at the end of the season after what will have been seven years there as a as a senior coach joining Racing ninety two on a four year deal. I suppose Fiona, like. It was inevitable, really, this was going to be happening at some point. And if you actually really think about the success Leinster have had while he's been there, they've done well to get seven years out of him, really, haven't they? 
Yeah, really well. I think you said he thought it was only coming for a year initially and, you know, back in uh, in 2016. But look, he's been immense for Leinster. I mean, what he's brought in terms of leadership and we, we you've ta- I've talked to people who've worked in the academies with him and everything and he just he's just got this like fountain of knowledge and what he knows on the game and he brings it in his very kind of calm persona about him and he was he was definitely a, a, an engine room like leader bes- behind Leo Cullen and they worked really really well together so Neil I think going forward um, with his role it's going to you, you have to kind of you know people are talking about who's going to fill in the, the boot to Stuart Lancaster but it, it Will it be Leo gone as well? Will it be two guys coming in? I suppose that's the question because you'd have to get someone that slots in easy easily enough because obviously Leo is the guy that deals with the media or the media and Stuart kind of has that background influence and he's he's at training and he he seems to like that role. Yeah, and obviously Mick, like you were you were at there at Leinster for three of those seasons where where Stuart was as well. So you're you're fairly well placed to to talk to us in that regard. But when when he first arrived. Like it was off the back of being sacked as England head coach, and he even said this week the offers weren't exactly rolling in the door at the time compared to the the, the way they probably have been in recent years. Like, what was your what was your first impression of him when he arrived? How quickly did you realize that this fella meant business? Yeah, we well we we basically found out in his very first meeting, and we he took a meeting on the gym floor in Leinster. We were playing Glasgow that week, um. And, you know, I, what, what struck me and I think what struck a lot of guys in the group was just just his honesty, you know, um, straight off the bat, just spoke about his England experience, uh, how it didn't really work out for him, you know, and um, oh, he, he kind of spoke about the integrity of the whole uh, situation in terms of, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty well documented now, like the, the RFU kind of said they'd reach out to him and, and make contact following uh, his his dismissal and, and no one really, no one did, you know. Um, and that was that was something that I think really bothered him, understandably enough. Um, and then we got straight into the rugby side of things. We'd just come off the back of losing the Pro 12 final to Connacht. Um, he he reviewed that game in about in about ten minutes and and told us told us why we'd lost it. Um, you know, said that we probably went a bit too soft on the edge and and gave them gave them too much space to to move move into, I suppose. Um. And he, he set us up, set us up for that week, that week against Glasgow and put his defensive system in, in place. And, you know, just went, just went from strength to strength from there. An enjoyable coach to work under. He's an unbelievably enjoyable coach. Like he's a teacher by trade. Uh, and that's, that, that's exactly what he does. He teaches, teaches rugby, you know, and um, he teaches leadership as well, obviously. Um you know, one thing, one thing as well, I suppose, that stood out for me is that he, he wanted everyone to have a point of view. He wants everyone to have an opinion on how the group, how the group should play, you know, what, what the opposition we're going to play against is doing and how, how we might be able to break it down. So, you know, if you're, if you're sitting in a meeting in Leinster and Stuart's taking the meeting, you could ask Johnny Sexton a question on something and Johnny will obviously have an opinion, but then he'll also be asking a, a first-year academy player question and he expects them to have an opinion as well which I I really enjoyed um, because obviously the it gets it gets the group interacting and then in terms of how they himself and Leo how they complement each other on a day-to-day basis like we would have heard stories how you know it, for a lot of part it's Stuart down there on the pitch with the tr- with the whistle Leo is 
doing more of the, the bigger picture stuff and the director of rugby kind of role. Is is that how it kind of plays out or is it a little bit more balanced? Um, no, I'd say, I'd say that's more or less how it runs. Uh, Stuart obviously looks after the, the defence and the, the attack. Um, but like that, that's not to say that Leo doesn't do any coaching. You know, when I was there, he would have looked after a lot of the forward stuff and he's incredibly knowledgeable in that area. Um, he would have looked after a lot of the breakdown stuff. Uh, he would have looked after the referee from a from a review point of view. Um, but I suppose Stuart did do the the main body of work just because you know he was he was looking after the defense and attack, and there's a huge amount that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And Fiona, like it does, just kind of. I was writing earlier in the week just about how how stable everything has been at Leinster over the last few seasons. For even though they've had maybe coaching turnovers and stuff, it's been maybe one coach every couple of years just picking yeah. off and small little changes that have had to be made. Whereas you've two coaches in the left in the summer just gone. Stuart Lancaster leaving. Johnny Sexton is going to be retiring next season. You have a new CEO coming in. It's a huge amount of change. And with Lancaster in particular, and I suppose... Leo Cullen only signing one year contracts at a time. It just leaves a huge amount of uncertainty as to, to what they're going to do and what kind of a coach they need to go after and what kind of a structure they need to have next season. Yeah, and I'm sure they're they're talking about that already. I'm sure they've been on to Leo because that is definitely something that'll come into play when they're when they're looking for someone to to fill Stewart's role. Because obviously, if if Leo's gone, you're probably looking at, at two guys, and you have to get two guys that can work really well together. And that's the that's the situation about um Leo and and Stewart. Like they absolutely, it just the picture was perfect. It seemed to work for them. But it, the nature of the game, Neil, is that it's it's constantly changing. I think it's exciting for Leinster Rugby I suppose the big thing about Stuart Lancaster what he's left behind he has filtered down into the academy players into the young guys that are coming through and he would feel like that he's left a legacy there and that someone could come in obviously you're going to have a change of style and structure but we all know that the player base is there and I think it's exciting for Leinster Rugby the big names are moving on they have the guys that are coming up behind them and and hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll see new innovative coaches coming in I mean you had Noel Mack there he was he was he's gone since gone but he's someone that definitely could come back and fit in into that role like like he's been just immense to watch especially with the 20s when I I went down and I saw him doing a session he's a guy that's so knowledgeable for for a fella that didn't play rugby before he just like absorbs the game so there's a list and I and I know it's a lot of change but I think they have the structures in place for it to be positive going forward yeah and Mick like it is going to be a huge change there next season but at the same time given the the size of the the size of the the rugby operation in Leinster, given the the history they have and the expectations they have every year, like they're not exactly going to be short of of potential suitors to come into a coaching role there. No, they won't. They won't. And as as you spoke about earlier, in terms of the the coaching structure and what they do, whether Leo goes up to director rugby, which is kind of you know from what I've heard, that's how it's looking. It might go. Um, and then I've also heard Andrew Goodman, who's come in, he's mm. he's doing really good things around the attack. So you know. It's whether Leinster say, okay, well, we'll leave Andrew Goodman looking after the attack and we'll try and go after like a Sean Ed Sean Edwards-esque defense coach, you know, and that's how they complete the package with Robin McBride. Um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to watch. But you know, as as you mentioned, the the conveyor belt of players isn't going to stop coming into Leinster, you know. So it's it really is about finding the the group of coaches to to cultivate that and point them in the right direction. 
Sean Edwards, I like the sound of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll be leaving France anytime soon, but it could be a good one. Well, no, but like even even on that, like I, I know Sean Edwards is just a name we're thrown out here, but just when you mentioned like the test scene, obviously this being a World Cup year, it actually it there are worse times to be gone out to market looking for a looking for a high profile coach. If you have someone, you know, just thinking about okay, I've done a World Cup cycle here, now might be the time to move away from you know, a test role and going into a, a more high profile club gig. It's, you know, it's it. They're like Munster were in a much more difficult situation last year, being one year further, uh, further out from the World Cup. I completely agree. Completely agree. You know, there's going to be, it's going to be plenty of, of quality coaches coming, uh, coming off contract. It's just, it's, it's going to be such a massive challenge slotting into Stewart's place, you know, because, Obviously, he looked after Leinster as a team, but like he also looked after Leinster as a province. You know, he was out meeting development officers. He was in the clubs. He was in the schools. He was trying to get everyone aligned with the style of play that Leinster had, so that when these guys did come into the environment, they were just they were ready. You know, and like you know, you see the likes of I suppose Scott Penny coming straight out of Michael's playing playing a game when he was he was nineteen. It's not. It's not by accident, you know, obviously massive credit has to go to the coaches in those schools, but, you know, the, the behind the scenes work that Stuart would have done there in terms of getting out into these places and, and interacting with, with young guys who were going to go on to play for Leinster was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to kind of more just general Leinster talking points at the moment, Fiona, around their season at the moment and the, the gaming and Solstice this weekend. As a, as a Limerick person, as a Munster person, how... Uh, how difficult was it watching Jason Jenkins absolutely oh, light stop. up the RDS last Friday evening? <laughs> yeah, he's he's been looking sharp, hasn't he? I suppose it just shows you what a, a bit of match fitness can give you a bit of confidence. And, you know, there was a lot of, I suppose there was a lot of, not pressure, but there was a lot of talk about, you know, Leinster lacking physicality in the last couple of seasons. And he's definitely someone they've added, uh, you know, a string to their bow. And he's someone that has, has come out. He's been very dominant. I know, like I've watched clips of him in, in in the mall area he's setting up he's he's really really strong you know other than his carries it's a lot of the donkey work the behind the scenes work you can see him at rock time cleaning people out so he's definitely a good addition I suppose the 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 situation is to keep him fit now and you know they've obviously monitored that over the summer he looks sharp a lot of the a lot of the monster players didn't look as sharp coming into into the first couple of games of the season but he definitely looks sharp and he looks like he he wants to be out there and he wants to make an impact on that Leinster team Mick, how tough is it like coming up against a, a second row who just has that sheer size and sh- size and weight about him? But you know, he also looks like he's well capable of of handling the ball and and, and playing possession. Sure, it's it's unbelievably difficult, and you know, just on just on Fiona's point, it's it's great to see a guy who you know he's obviously struggled in the last maybe six to twelve months from an injury point of view, not able to string games together. Just just get a just get a good crack at it. You know, get out and get like three or four games under his belt of 80 minutes. And, you know, to, to your point, playing against particularly South African second rows, like mm. South Africa just produced like these enormous men, you know, like just complete piano pushers, like in, in the sense that, you know, they'll clean, they'll move bodies at Rook. They're like massive and awkward at mall time, great in the scrum, you know, good carry, like so, so good at the meat and drink, I suppose. Um, then, as you said, the, the kind of point of difference with uh, with Jason Jenkins then is that he he moves the ball really well, you know. So guys coming in like 
obviously if he's running at me, I'm hoping that there's going to be a buddy close enough to me so that we can make a double shot. But the, the style of play in Leinster that he's probably been practicing for the whole summer is that he gets as close to the line as he can and then mm. there's a ball thrown out the back or there's a tip like passed on to, to the guy beside him, you know. So someone someone of that size to have the skills to play at the line as well as being able to run over the top of you, um, it's it's invaluable. And, um, you know, I'm like from a neutral point of view, uh, I'm I'm delighted for, for him not knowing him uh, just to get get a run of games under his belt and uh, get a fair crack at it after what was obviously a tough enough time for him. Yeah, just re- really got a bad run of luck there last season. A uh, short little question before we move move on to, to talking about Ulster ahead of tomorrow's game. Um, Fiona, who's your who's your starting hooker at the moment? Is it Dan oh, Sheen or is it Ronan Kelleher? I mean, like <laughs> how do you how do you decide that one? Do you know what? I'm a, I'm a firm believer of the the guy that has the shirt hold on holds on to it until someone can come on and rip it off him. I mean, they're both just immense at the minute. But like I know the the big headline was Dan Sheehan scoring four tries um last weekend. Even though I will say he was he was lucky hanging off the hookers, getting all uh, squat hanging off the back of them all, just diving down at the end. But I just thought he's he's work right around the pitch. I thought he's throwing is getting better. And I remember talking about him last year. I thought. Um, he looked like not struggles, but he, he in this in scrum time he didn't look like he was as confident or strong as Keller when he was in there. And I definitely see that side of his game change. I mean that Leinster scrum looks lovely and tight. Obviously they will when you come up, you know, big against bigger packs and French and and English opposition. He'll really be tested. But but I think at the minute I think uh, it's it's his jersey, it's Sheehan's jersey to hold on to. Um and and God, we're blessed in the country at the minute if we can keep the both of them fit because they're they're just so dynamic and great to watch as well from an Ireland perspective. Yeah, the, the number two shirt seems fairly secure for the foreseeable future anyway, but with Leinster and Ireland. Mick, coming off the, the back of your season with Ulster last year, you, you played in both of those wins against Leinster, the first one at the RDS and then up at Kingspan Stadium in the in the wind and rain in March. What did what did those two wins do for the for the belief? in that Ulster squad because it was something Dan McFarlane had kind of spoken about maybe a year or two earlier when uh, Leinster had kind of done a job on Ulster in the in the Pro 14 final and he was talking about how there's there just seems to be a significant gap between Leinster and the rest. I know obviously the season didn't pan out as the, the way you would have liked at Ulster in the end but like what did beating Leinster in those two games what does that do for the for the belief in, in the wider squad? That's massive. It's huge. You know like Leinster are Leinster are the measuring stick in the URC and, and arguably in Europe as well, you know. So um, how you go against them is more or less how, how you feel your, your season is going, if that, if that makes sense. Um, so, like, we, we went down to the RDS and we beat them. And, you know, the RDS hasn't been a happy place for Ulster, you know. So that was, that was the first, I suppose, uh, feather in the cap, you'd say, from a confidence point of view, going into the remainder of the season, you know, and then obviously we, we had a game plan going to the RDS that that worked pretty well. You know, it was it was an effective game plan on the night and thankfully thankfully it worked out. And when it came to after Christmas and, as you said, the, the howling wind and rain, uh, we implemented a, a very similar game plan and, and it worked again. So, uh, you know, to, to answer your question around the, around the confidence side, um, they're, they're the best. Leinster, from a URC point of view, over the last number of seasons, have, have been the best. So to beat them home and away, uh, 
it just it gave gave the group massive massive confidence. And in general last season, like did you firmly believe you were good enough to to win that league? Did do you think like Ulster are absolutely primed and capable of taking the next step? Like, you know, we don't know whether or not they will, but are they absolutely capable of doing it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like the, the players the players that they have up there and the depth that Dan McFarlane and the rest mm. of the coaching team have built, uh they're they're ready to take the next step, you know. Now it's just about doing it. Um, I know that's very easy for me to say sitting on the seat in Spain here, no <laughs> preseason under my belt. But uh like, you know, I think once once Ulster do win the URC or they win something, uh they'll be they'll be fully set up to go on and win more and more things. But they just have to get that get that first win under the belt. And he's a, a crucial element too is I know he's not getting the look in at an international level. We've spoken about that over the, the last few months. But Stuart McCluskey has just picked up where he left off last season. Oh, he's he's been incredible. He's been incredible, you know, and he's he's been really, really good for Ulster, like for I don't know how many years now. Um like the to, to be honest, the perception playing against Ulster as an opposition player for a long time was that, you know, if you can stop if you can stop eight, if you can stop their number eight and you can stop their twelve. There's there's a good chance you'll you'll push them tight, and um, but now with with Stewart I suppose being complimented by the likes of James Hume and Luke Marshall, Rob Balakoon and Ethan McRoy, Mike Lowry, these guys, Billy's kicking game obviously, um, it's made it's made even more space for him. You know, defensively you don't really know you don't really know what to be doing because you bite in on Stew and he's a decoy and it goes to James. You know. You, you drift down on James and then it's a one-on-one between Stu and someone. And like, realistically, you've seen what happened to Jonathan Davies on the weekend there. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's probably not going to work out well for you. <laughs> Fiona, how, how impressed have you been with the way Ulster have started the season? Oh yeah, they're really good to watch. Um, like I thought they've been just uh, really, really electric, that back line. I mean, you know, you've Aaron Sexton, he's someone in attack who's just like his speed and footwork is amazing. You know, you're talking about Ulster missing a few big guys, you know, Balakoon is gone, but I think they have the the talent there to to take that step up and definitely um go at Leinster at the weekend. Um, I thought some of the tries, Billy Burns, it looks like a player in form as well. Cooney, we talked about his kicking game, but he's controlling, he's controlling the pack and he's, he's doing it really well. Treadwell and O'Connor have made, are making a great partnership as well without Henderson in there. So there's, there's just play a lot of players in form when I watch it. I suppose the only area I think that Leinster obviously might go and, and attack um, would be that mall defense. You know, Scarlett's got a got a bit of change out of them. They were a little bit slow to set up. They there was a couple of lineups where they went up in the air, and when they came down, I think Leinster are against the Scarlet Scarlets had really go forward ball, and we know how how dominant that Leinster mall is when it gets going. So that's definitely an area I'd say they'd focus on the pack this week. But backline attack wise, they're just really really exciting. They're the the team to watch. I mean, we spoke early last season about the strike plays and. and and Connacht and how good they were to watch, but I think Ulster are the team to watch. Um, expansive rugby when they go wide, we've we've got lightning quick guys. You know, you've got Lowry who's on fire as well, and that and McCluskey he's been spoken about, and and that's that's right. I mean, he just offers so much at twelve. He's that dominant ball carrier, and out the back as well, his skill set is brilliant. So I think the the game at the weekend is going to be an absolute cracker, and I, I I'm looking at an Ulster win. I think at home they're very they're very hard to beat up there, and they're definitely 
definitely playing with form. Leinster picked up a bit of form. They looked a little bit better last week, but but Ulster have come screaming into the season, I think. Interesting. So you're you're just about leaning towards an Ulster win, Fiona, are you? I I think I am in in watching the the couple of games. I I know Kingspan. I I you know when we saw especially last season, the crowds are packed up there. You know it's it's becoming real cauldron, and we've seen we've seen teams go up there, big teams that you know like have just scraped wins that should be coming away. So it's 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 definitely a hard place to go, and and the fact that these guys are are on form, I think Ulster will be looking good at the weekend on Friday. With the gun to your head, Mick, what way do you take <laughs> that gun? To, to be honest with you, I think uh, I think if Ulster can get on top in the breakdown, they'll win it. Whereas I think if if they can't, then they won't. You know, I thought that was that was a massive part of the uh, the game in the RDS last mm. season. You know, the likes of like Marcus Ray came on off the bench. He had a few massive turnovers. Nick Timoney had big turnovers in that. Um, like it's it's a big fear. It's a big fear for Lancer. It's a big fear for all attacking teams that if their breakdown slows down, you know, it becomes it becomes very. You know, I found particularly when I was in Lancer that uh, you know there was there was just a massive massive breakdown focus. Um, and the games that you know we didn't go well in, or you know there was opposition team games like the Glasgow, maybe not so recently, but in. In years gone by, Leinster have struggled against because they're they're such a massive, massive breakdown threat. Um, so yeah, that's from from my point of view. I think if if Ulster if Ulster do a job to break down, then they'll win. Leinster have too much in attack. And with that as well, Mick, I thought, um, you know, looking at last week's game, I thought Bennett and early on, definitely in the first twenty minutes, they had they had a they had the the tip of Leinster at the breakdown. They had a good few turnovers. I'm sure Sean O'Brien would have been disappointed at that as the game went on, obviously, and they got a little bit more structure. But I thought, um, I thought that was definitely area where I saw um it wasn't kind of Leinster esque. They weren't getting that ball on the plate and Benetton really put it up to them for the first for the first half anyway. Completely agree with you, Fiona. Yeah, completely agree. Like, uh, Stowers came on off the bench for Treviso. I thought he was very impressive. Mm. Uh, Halafifi, I think Halafifi. it is. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know, he's always a breakdown threat. Lamaro's big, big breakdown threat as well. Um, and the th- thing about Ulster, I say, getting on top in the breakdown. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the last season, I'm pretty sure Ulster had the most mall meters out of any team in the competition most outfield ball meters so you know if if Ulster are getting turnovers you're kicking it down the line and they're mauling you know and they're the work that Roddy Grant's done up there at the forwards they're a really really strong mauling outfit um and obviously defensively things didn't go as well for them against the Scarlets uh but I'd say Roddy will have them over hot calls this week in in anticipation for Leinster yeah, and I think Rob Herring is probably one of the few men who could rival Dan Sheehan for tries off the back of them all, or, or Bradley, Brad Roberts. <laughs> or like but, um, you know, the bad news, I'm going to move things on to Munster now. Oh. Uh, so, Munster against Deborah, one of Mick's former teams uh, this Saturday evening that's live on RT2 as well, uh, five past five kickoff. So, Deborah have never beaten Munster before, Fiona. And like, I know it might sound a bit hyperbolic to be coming out with it now, but just given the way Munster have started the season, but also given the way Zebra have started the season, where granted they've lost two games, but they have absolutely scorched Leinster and Sharks at various times during those matches. They've scored 10 tries in those two games. I think there's only three teams that have scored more tries for them so far. 
I'm not saying Zebra are going to win, but it does look on paper that they have the makings of giving Munster a real, real game on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. You know, you would have been looking at this game and and thinking uh, if you were looking at the season fixtures as a coach that maybe you could have could have made a few changes early on in the season and got a couple of the young guys out there. But I think Munster really have to make amends for especially last week. I mean, um, they were exceptionally disappointed with their performance. And the only way you can fix that is by getting out in the field and, and actually changing that. You know, they've got a lot of stick. It's early in the season. Um, but the manner of the errors that were made in the game, it, they will know is not acceptable. I mean, the, the penalty count was was crazy as well at times. Just the, not even the count, just the actual penalties that they were giving away. There was guys the jumping, off, oh, and, yeah. jumping off their feet in a rock in at the side. Like just discipline was 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 terrible. And that's kind of a lack of, I suppose that gets when it gets to the later stages of the game, that's probably a tiredness can creep in and you don't realize what you're doing. But look, they've had they've had those two losses. They really have to pick it up this week. And I think they're capable of doing it. But you're talking about Zebra as well. I mean, how good are they? Have they been an attack to watch? I mean, some of the tries they've scored, especially against Leinster, were really, really good. And they're going to be coming with a little bit of a brimming of confidence down to Cork as well. So I would expect Munster to change things around. I know, um, you know, Roundtree has spoken out in the media as well and said, look, that it's not acceptable. Guys have to put their hand up and 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 do that. And, and the senior guys certainly will will step up, I think, this week because... Obviously, there was a lot of talk about the the wedding the couple of weeks before um maybe the season started. Look, and that happens, and guys have to stage out. They've been away with Ireland. They have to have their weddings, and everyone has to go. And I understand that, but to come back and have those two that type of game, then when you come back after that, you really have to change things up next week. And I I think they'll be a lot more physical, and I think they'll be a lot more structured, especially inside the twenty two. They were just turning over ball left, right, and center at times. You, you said there, Fiona, like a, some of the senior players are going to step up mm. this week, or, or you said you think it will at least. But like as Donico Callum was saying on Sunday, that it, is, are we at a point now where it can't just be the senior guys stepping up, that it's the senior players who are being left to step up a little bit too often, and there's a group probably behind them is what he was calling yep. the middle group that aren't quite the frontline internationals but are there every single week, that Sooner or later, some of these guys need to be the ones to step up and actually drive the standards on a on a daily basis. Yeah, you're 100. percent He's 100 percent right on that. Um, you know, he he talked about Leinster, the likes of Luke McGrath. They take the reins. You know, there's the guys that are aren't probably getting game time at Ireland with the at the minute. Um, and Munster, I think down in Munster, they have they they still have these guys that probably are considered the middle. But you know, we look at them and they're probably Neil. They're probably still you know guys fresh out of Cammy. They haven't had that kind of conveyor belt of, of, of games that Leinster you know those interchanging like we've seen at Munster there's been especially when it comes to those big games at Heineken Cup time it's the same guys that are being used all the time so yes they, they there has to get that middle group that when the internationals are the likes of Jack O'Donoghue who I thought done it really well last year but obviously in this game the back row I thought were probably just in that game were a bit non-existent last week so they do have to step up but but I also think you know Donica mentioned I also think if you're a seasoned international and you're you're away and you're you're putting in these massive shifts playing with Ireland when you come back and you put on that Munster jersey I think you need to be able to put in the exact same effort and I think you need to be you know obviously your body's drained and these games are huge but when they come back they're probably only playing maybe 
eight games maybe with the club before Christmas. So I think you need to be able to to take that step up. And, you know, maybe it's just the start of the season. They need to shake a few things off. But I definitely, I, I feel like this week that we will see guys stand up and take responsibility and hopefully a, a better performance as well. Mick, for, for those of us who, you know, those of us myself who haven't played at a high level or or any remotely decent level, like how, how difficult is that transition of a completely new coaching team where people are bringing in new ideas and they're trying to implement it over whatever, eight, nine weeks. And for a large portion of that, you don't really have senior players involved. Like how long does that transition take? Oh, look, it's, it, it differs. It obviously differs from, from coaching group to, co- to coaching group. Um, like tr- in terms of last week, for example, looking at, looking at the, sorry, Munster's last two games, you know, they obviously went to Cardiff, which historically is a place that Munster have gone to and they haven't done particularly well. You know, Cardiff signed really well. They, they Thomas Young playing, Palatow, these guys who, who put in pretty big shifts, didn't win that game, fine. Then they played the Dragons and looking at it from a neutral point of view, I kind of seeing it as being a perfect storm, you know, like Munster arrived, you're playing Dragons on a Sunday and I've been involved in that game. It is by no means a glamour fixture. I'm not making excuses for them by any means. It's, you know, it is a job like you go out and you play no matter when the game is on. Playing against the Dragons team who are who are full of vinegar. Their director of rugby has just stepped down and Dean Ryan. Um, you know, you have internationals coming back from Munster who probably had a look at Dragons game from the week before and said, okay, these lads are, you know, they're, they're way off. They're way off here. Um, and, you know, then, then, they, then they show up. Dragons, Dragons get off to a fast start, which, which often happens when a coach or a DOR leaves or someone in, in the organization bounce. leaves. Yeah, the, the typical, typical bounce back. And going on to this week, uh, Munster against Ebre, I think you're going to see a massive, massive reaction. Um, you know, Zebre's, Zebre's last two games, the halftime score has been... 28-10 you know they've got off to really really slow starts and uh, I'd say I'd say Munster now they're going to be they're going to be well up for this one and uh, I think they'll be they'll be way more accurate than we've seen over over the last number of weeks um, purely based on as as you said Neil um, you know betting in betting in the new system and and getting things up to speed the more games they play like like anyone or, or anything the, the better better they're going to become the better the system's going to become and uh you know i've i've no doubt uh they'll they'll play in a big form performance this week against everett and just before we finish up then connock's also in action there away to the bulls tomorrow the second game of their their uh their south african tour looking at the the team news connock's yet to be announced but this morning like the bulls named their team and They've got their their couple of South African internationals back. You know, uh, Kenan Moody's there. Elric Lowe is back in. Kurtley Arense is starting. Who was involved with South Africa earlier this year, and they're close to full strength. You've Marcel could see in the back row. Marco van Staden. It's it's looking pretty tough for for Connacht to get a result out there. Fiona and at this rate, this would be three defeats in a three defeats in a row. Last week was was quite disappointing. It's looking already like it's going to be a long season for Connacht. Yeah, I think they they'll probably like they'll struggle in this bull game physically. I um I thought at times you know Connacht were good to watch. It's almost like their strike plays offset piece. You know we saw how good they were and how dominant last year and the tries they score off off it were excellent. 
But it, it, there was errors creeping in, especially in the last game. There was a couple of silly knock-ons, which we didn't see with them. So it, it's it's almost like they're, you know, they have a, a shake-up in their coaching setup as well. A few guys have been moved around. So it's it's like they're trying to find their feet. But, you know, Neil, I think you'd mentioned, you know, that that uh, that bit in their mouth that Connacht normally have and 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 it's definitely it they've they've had like it's it's a hard start to the season for them especially to go out to South Africa um we won't get too into the Bundy red card but he's probably going to miss a um a, a good few a few games as well with that I I would imagine so he's someone that that is like is very physical in that team and when he's away we don't see them kind of performing with that high tempo he brings that pace he brings that aggression so they 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 need to start looking at now when he's not playing you know what can bring that tempo and what can bring that high pace i think jack carty also been away he's another guy that gels them together um he, it it doesn't look like they'll get any wins out here against the bulls it's a very strong pack as the as the season goes on you know, things change, obviously, that squad. I thought Connacht done really well in who they who they got in during the season, the couple of ex-Lencer guys, and, you know, they got them in. And and look, it's the more the game time, I think we'll see what, what this Connacht can bring. But for the start of the season, they'd probably have a really rough end of it getting out there. And, you know, they have a couple of hard away games as well. So they're probably going to be going in looking at Christmas, you know, probably further down the table. But who knows what can happen after that, Neil? Yeah, and, and even make on like Bundy Aki's red cards Connacht they're, they're, they're up against it a lot of the time but when you have Aki's we don't know what sort of a suspension he's going to have but considering it's his third red card in a few years he's probably not going to be getting much mitigation on it so he's probably going to be missing for a handful of games at least like already you're talking about they're playing rugby with one hand behind their back No very much so very much so Um, obviously that area that Bundy was red carded in is an area that referees are looking at at the moment. Um, and this could be a controversial opinion, but uh, I thought it was harsh. You thought the red um, card was harsh? Yeah, I thought I thought the red card was harsh. I didn't see a massive difference between uh, Bundy's clear out and Charlie Natai's clear out against Benetton on, on Friday night. Um, you know, like, geez, if it's an area they're looking at, then, you know, you obviously need to be that bit, that bit more car- careful. I think the, the the big the big concern maybe uh or the thing that doesn't look too good is the the reaction following the red card around you know the discussion with the ref and that kind of stuff you know um so that, that's just, that's something I'd say I'd say like Bundy and you know all players in that situation will will need to be will need to be pretty careful of going forward uh it's going to be tough for Connacht you know the first five games that they're playing I don't. Jesus, I don't know if I'd if I'd wish them on anyone. You know, Ulster away, Stormers away, Bulls away, Munster at home, Leinster at home. Like that's as that's as tough a start as any team mm. could have. Um, but the Bulls, we we played the Bulls last year in Pretoria. Uh, it's it really is the ultimate test, in my opinion. Um, and you have the altitude you know, to factor in on top of the the fact that that is a an absolutely enormous pack they're coming up against tomorrow. Big time. It's basically 15 Jason Jenkins coming against you at altitude. You know, it's probably going to be, I don't know what time kickoff is. I presume they've they've scheduled it for two o'clock in the afternoon. No, uh, so it's five, it's, uh, five past five Irish time or, or half past five Irish time. So I think are they maybe an hour ahead or something like that. So kind of late evening anyway is, is what oh, they're... Not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've dodged a bullet there then. Yeah, we played them at two o'clock and... Uh, 
it felt like the oxygen was being sucked out of the stadium by the fans. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you can't see anything other really than a than a Bulls win tomorrow, unfortunately for Connacht. Uh, yeah. No, to be honest, I think I think I think the Bulls are going to do it. Uh, I think Connacht will put up will put up a great fight, and they'll have a really good plan in place. Um, but the the Bulls at home, I don't know. I don't know if too many teams are going to push them there this year. And that was Very... a nod in agreement. Fiona, yeah. as well, I think it was. It's the pack. The pack are just huge. They're immense, and they're bringing back in their couple of internationals as well. They're just they're they're a strong team, and they seem to be getting better with every game that I'm watching them as well. Especially from last season, I think they're they're kicking on again. They're they're more comfortable in the games. You know, we saw before Christmas, it took a, a while for 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 them to for all the South African teams. Obviously, they were on the road, but I think as it's building and building, they're just getting more dominant. And to me, the same as Mika saying, they look like. They're getting bigger and bigger as well. Like they're not, they're not getting any smaller. When I look at the the teams out in the defensive line, they're huge guys. Um, just on that point as well, Neil, and what Mick, what you were saying, I think. Um, obviously, I'm not uh, telling World Rugby where to look at, but I think definitely around that area of the clean out. I mean, if the referees, if a, if a guy goes over the ball, and I suppose if his forearms are resting on the ground or he gets into that position, a guy or a girl gets into that position, I mean, the referees can blow that straight away and it saves that kind of person coming at speed kind of hitting that contact area I think what's happening in the game as well is where is they're they're kind of letting that go and then looking at the penalties maybe after that but I think you can add a little bit of safety if you see someone's forearms hitting the ground straight away the whistle is gone or if they're getting back on the ball obviously if they hit the ground and leave the ball that's fine but it's it's like almost guys are getting into that ceiling off position trying to steal the ball and it's it's frustrating the attack it's frustrating the attacking team and yeah obviously I thought the red card he it was the neck area and you have to be very careful the neck head area when you're going at that but but they definitely have to look at that because people are coming in at speed and you want to be playing with quick quick ball as well not some guy trying to kill off your ball but he's trying to steal it yeah and like Mick I saw progressive rugby the the welfare group they were tweeting about that that incident this morning and saying while while they thought it was a red card they do think it kind of it opens the the discussion for like a wider discussion around rules, laws around the rock and the role of the jackler. And should we actually be moving away from, from allowing the jackal to happen and go back to the old fashioned kind of rocking where you just have to move beyond the ball? Because, you know, wh- when there is a jackal in place, those collisions are going to happen. It's it's just a natural occurrence, unfortunately. Oh, completely, completely. And guys, like, don't get me wrong. There's very like the game is too quick. I, in my opinion, now to have kind of dirty players. Mm. You know, I think the Darcy Swain incident was was a complete outlier. You know, I thought that was just there was like malice. There was intent to actually hurt there. Which, and I you see know, actually on the Quinn Tupay's. Uh, I think confirmed today he's out for nine, nine months, months just to, to to add insult to that. And Darcy Swain's realistically going to miss three games. But um, I've got, I've gone off on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Just just to go back to the point on uh on on the clear out, like guys, like one of my goals going into games as a second row would be to move those bodies. You know, if someone's if someone's jackling over the ball, that's that's my gig. Like I have to get in and hit that person as hard as I possibly can to, like not just to get them out of that space, but to prevent them from doing it again. Like as the game goes on, you know. Um, so yeah, like next, next time I, I, I agree with you, Fiona. They might be a little bit. They might be a little bit more hesitant, and they might exactly. They might yeah, fully yeah. commit to it. They won't go in. Yeah. 
it might be that seconds delay, you know, just what you're what you're hoping <laughs> yeah. for. But yeah, I suppose so, yeah. It, yeah, it creates a it creates a wider discussion and it uh I think there's a lot more to talk about it. Probably more than we're we're gonna have time for it today. We'll wrap it up here because I think we could be another hour talking about the the implication. <laughs> it's probably it's probably a podcast in and of itself. But uh, make this and thanks a million for joining us on the the RT Rugby podcast. We'll uh, hope to have you on again uh, a couple more times later on this season. And best of luck with the the All Ireland League season with Clontarf as well. Guys, thanks a million. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. And Fiona, thanks for joining us as well. We've got uh, plenty of rugby coming up on RT this week as well, by the way. Live on RT2 and RT Player. Tomorrow evening, you got Ulster against Leinster and there's live radio commentary as well at that on RT Radio 1 Extra. And then on Saturday evening, 5 past 5 kickoff at Musgrave Park is Munster against Zebra. That one also live on RT2 and the Player. We'll uh, speak to you again next week.